You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. They are the stuff of legends. These mysterious characters from the East, magi, stargazers, Matthew gives them no name, no country, no background story, just a long journey that uncovers palace intrigue in Jerusalem, finds a young child in Bethlehem, and ends on another long road home. Artists, poets, songwriters, novelists, and even preachers have taken this little tale and filled in the blanks and added color to an otherwise side story of the gospel, elaborating on it and embellishing it so much so that the no nativity set is complete without three kings bearing gifts and a few camels in tow as well. Perhaps Matthew's writer added this scene to highlight the universal reach of Jesus. To say to his readers, to us, that this young child was not a savior for the Jewish people only. Not even just for those that were living under Roman rule at the time, but that this was a Messiah for the whole world, stretching all the way to the Far East the east. It is a bit of ancient shorthand for the exotic, for the unknown. We might say Timbuktu. It's a clear way of saying to folks that these are foreigners, that they don't share a common heritage or sacred story, but nonetheless these strangers recognize the Christ child as a holy gift to themselves and to the world. And because Matthew's writer creates this marvelous story with the intention of inclusiveness, he gives us an opening, I think, to imagine ourselves in this story so that we too can tiptoe near the young family, that we can join the magi as outsiders, as spiritual pilgrims. At first glance, theirs is a trip that we can scarcely imagine. After all, we have our GPS, we have Google Maps, we have all of these things are complete with travel and traffic updates, with alternative routes so we can miss toll roads. We can search for restaurants and gas stations and shopping. But these magi are making their way by following a star, by paying attention to constellations, by navigating in the dark of night and interpreting the skies. What courage it had to take to set out on a journey, trusting in their imperfect night vision, an ambiguous holy light and the company of one another to make their way to a place unknown. 
I have to confess that I seldom get through an epiphany sermon without quoting one of my favorite T.S. Eliot poems, The Journey of the Magi, which includes the imagined retelling of the journey by an aged wise man who recalls a hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. Can you imagine, like Eliot does, that the Magi second-guessed their decision to go, wondering all along the way whether it might have been one big mistake? Yeah, despite that, there's something in them that longs for the glimpse of the holy and keeps moving them forward. Talk about walking with grace. When the night's there are nights when the sky is so dark that you cannot possibly see the ground in front of you. And yet there are other times when the grace of light gently bathes the earth. And then one's eyes adjust and the landscape seems to glow with an otherworldly light. We can imagine that the Magi traveled amid both when the way was lit and the traveling was easy and when the next step is completely hidden from sight. Somehow, somehow they've found the courage to leave behind their familiar lives and places and to venture out into the unknown. We have bid farewell to the past year. Some of us have said good riddance. And we now stand at the threshold of a new one. And as we do, we wonder whether the way ahead of us will again be dark and uncertain. Or could there be stars shining for us? And how will we know which star to follow? These strangers from the east do not stay put, even if the way is unclear. Instead, they come together. They journey as fellow seekers, and they step out in faith trusting in their joint desire to follow. And I think that is a beautiful image of the church. Can we imagine ourselves like them as epiphany people, as fellow travelers together seeking holy paths, that we're listening for God's direction together and not just listening and seeking but stepping out together as well, even if we're not quite certain what the path ahead may hold. If you've ever traveled a long way on a cross-country road trip or to another country with a different culture, you know that journeys offer moments of the unexpected, times of serendipity, when grace meets us in strangers and welcomes us in unfamiliar places. I like to think that those ancient travelers encountered such moments on their way as well. On one of their many late nights gazing up at the stars or in the gracious hospitality of strangers they met along the way. A few years ago, I attended a lecture by Dr. Cecilia Gonzalez Andrew, who's a Cuban-American theologian, and she introduced me to a Spanish word, asombro, which means wonder. And when someone is asombrado, 
They have experienced something. Something has acted upon them and they have responded and they have become filled with wonder or asombro. And the beauty of that word is that it encompasses all types of encounters, those that interrupt the normal, the routine, and those which evoke fear or questioning, those that elicit surprise or delight, love and compassion, and in doing so causes a sombro, a state of wonder or awe. Those wise men from the East must have stumbled upon many moments of asombro. Maybe even in those first few minutes on the road as they're questioning if they have completely lost their minds. Or in that moment, you know the one when you realize you're completely lost, not in control one bit. And in doing so, you revealed yourself to be quite vulnerable and at the mercy of others. That too can be a moment of a sombro. And then, of course, in that moment when Matthew writes, when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Just imagine the mix of wonder, awe, questioning, joy, weariness, all of it wrapped up in that experience. When we approach life as epiphany people, we're learning to see the world, I think, with an open heart. And we expect to see the divine at work in the world. And we begin to practice the art of paying attention to ourselves and to the world around us. Sometimes that happens in the messiest of places. I imagine the Magi found themselves in Bethlehem at the modest home of a family with a young toddler. And if you have ever visited a family with a young toddler you know the home is messy. And perhaps that's not the place where one would seek out royalty, but it's there in the midst of the messiness of real life that the holy is present for them, waiting for them and for us to notice. Being open to a sombro, to wonder, can't happen if we're constantly scurrying about, if we so structure our lives as to keep out any distractions. Instead, we need to learn to welcome moments of a sombro, times that cause us to stop, to reassess, to become wonder-filled human beings. Those wise travelers on their knees in wonder respond to joy with generosity. They give gifts freely, extravagantly, with abandoned gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all to a toddler who probably would have been happy with some spoons and pots and pans. But epiphany people live life in the knowledge that all of this is gift we've been given. All of our days, our journeys, our possessions, our loved ones, our friends, all of that is gift to us. And as we become aware of that, it leads us to the practice of generous living. When you recognize the abundance in your own life as a gift, not something you've earned or that you deserve, it's so much easier to share, to give away. Now, the story of the Magi ends with a twist. 
Once again, they experience the divine leading them this time in the gift of a dream, and they go home by another way, Matthew writes. The journey would have been different for them regardless, because having bowed down in the presence of the Christ child, they could not have traveled back home unchanged. For now, they were ensombrado, they were wonder-filled, and their journey home would take them along new paths. Some of us may be walking new paths this year, perhaps leaving behind beloved memories or letting go of long-held regrets. The wise men choose another way because of menacing threats from King Herod, and the uncertainty of their safety and the safety of the young child lead them to take another route. Not because of their own desire, but because of larger forces at work, things over which they have no control. And life is sometimes like that. Sometimes life just pushes us out the door and closes the way that is familiar and the known paths we've walked before are no longer available to us. And like the Magi, we are forced to take a new path. But this time, I'd like to think that the Magi take that new road with renewed confidence. After all, they'd made their way through the unknown, in the dark, on a long, hard journey. And now, having knelt in wonder, they step out once more in faith along an unfamiliar path, yes, but not alone. Never alone knowing deep in their souls that all the way along the road, grace and wonder awaits them. Our congregation, like many others, has embraced a newer tradition of receiving star gifts on Epiphany Sunday. And each person is invited to receive a star word, a word for reflection for the coming year. It can be a guide for prayer as we consider the significance the word might have in our lives or how God might be speaking to us through that word. We have a table of star words here in the sanctuary. I've chosen mine for the year. If you haven't picked one out, I invite you to do so after the service. And if you're watching from home, send us a private message on Facebook or an email and we'll select a star word for you too. And then take your star gift home with you. Put it up where you can see it, maybe on the mirror, the refrigerator, or by your computer. And perhaps the word strikes you the moment you see it. Maybe you chose a word that you have to look up in the dictionary. There are a few foreign words in that collection on the table. I invite you to savor the word that chooses you. You may want to question or push back at it a little bit. The star word is a gift for us. And I invite you to take advantage of that. There will be some email reflection guides for seven weeks. If you'd like to have that as well, there's a sign-up sheet by this front door. And if you're watching at home, you're invited when you ask us for a star word to let us know that you'd like to receive those email reflections as well. As we enter into Epiphany and the new year, I invite us to consider the path that, le that lies before us and know 
know deep in your soul that all along the road that is there, the light of God is there too. And the grace and wonder of the way of Christ is there as well and awaits us with joy. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.